You're listening to Politics Explained. Back to basics in the political sandpit with Rodney Hyde and Tane Webster. You're on Reality Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. And we've got our regular guest, Tane Webster, for Politics Explained. Back to basics in the political sandpit. So, Tane, what's the question today? Hey Rodney, great to be here. So the question for this week, there's been a lot of talk recently about minor parties and and wasted votes. So I thought the question for this week could be, why is there a 5% threshold for new parties to get into parliament? Great question. Um, In a way, it's totally arbitrary. As I recall the original thinking, imagine this, it's to stop Hitler. Um, the idea being that sort of Hitler got a platform by getting in on a small vote or something. That was it back in 1996. Um, and so you had to set a threshold. So in terms of voting, only parties above a certain popularity could get into parliament and get a platform. I can't recall whether it was originally proposed at 4%, but there have been reviews to lower it from 5 to 4. It makes a huge difference to the smaller parties. One thing voters don't want to do is waste a vote. And if you're hovering around 1%, it's impossible to get to the 5% because people say, oh, well, I'll vote for for you, and it won't count because you won't get in. And that's very, very hard to argue with. Uh, What changed for ACT originally was first winning Wellington Central, which we then lost, and then winning the seat of Epsom. Because if you have an electorate seat, the 5% threshold doesn't count. So, for example, if you have an electorate seat and get 2% of the vote, you'll get two or three MPs, even though you're under the 5%. And the idea there is you're you're in anyway because you've won a seat and you're not on the margins of politics if you're winning a constituent seat. So that's the logic. It also serves the interests of the two big parties who basically set the electoral rules because the big parties set all the rules around elections. Yeah, they consult with the public. Yes, they consult with um, the minor parties, but they have the numbers to set the rules. And, of course, they don't want the smaller parties getting in. Uh, The less small parties get in. I mean, what would suit the two big old parties, Labour and National, would there to be just two parties, um, like there was under first-past-the-post. And don't forget, to a person, I believe, uh, all the old parties opposed MMP. Uh, i got a, another reason why I think there needs to be a threshold, and this is, I don't know if this has ever been written down, but it occurs to me as really the clincher, and it's this. Imagine in the extreme you had no limit, except that 5% is arbitrary. It could be 4, could be 3, could be 6, could be 10. It's an arbitrary number that's been hit upon. But imagine if there was no limit, and as long as you got enough party votes to get one MP in, 
then you're in, right? So you could form a political party, Tane Webster's uh, Freedom Party, and you get 0.8% of the vote, right? Well, you would become an MP. But there'd probably be 10 or 15 individuals that might do that, right? So then you've got 10 MPs, 15 MPs who are all represented as individual parties. At that point, you've got no election result because we know under MMP that it always comes down literally to two, three or four MPs deciding who the government is. So these independent MPs would actually get to decide who is government. You can imagine the two big parties running around trying to corral the 10 or so individually MPs to get five of them on side and to form a government. And so they'd give those MPs in terms of policy whatever they wanted. Once the government is formed, it would be unstable because you'd literally have five individual MPs able to pull out at any stage and collapse the government. So I would say if you had no limit, you would be having coalitions form after much horse trading with no public input, and you'd have governments collapsing literally every six months. You wouldn't have a stable government. And so I think you would, you do actually have to have a limit. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there should be no limit either. The, I think the question is, uh, what should the threshold be? And recently, the Independent Electoral Review, uh, they put out their draft recommendations, which included some things like lowering the age to 16, which we won't go into, but also lowering the party vote threshold from 5 to 3.5%. And there's mixed opinions out there on that, but I, I was one of the people I did put a submission in uh, to, to lower it. And I tend to think, yeah, three point five or four percent would would be an improvement on what we've currently got because people, it's five percent actually means more than five percent because yes. no one's going to vote for you if you if you're just polling at five percent or you or the people are going to be a little bit concerned if you're borderline. So you you know a five percent threshold really means you've you've got to be getting something like five and a half or six. Oh no, I I concur. I can see your logic. Uh, if you had say three percent, because why worry about? If you had a 3% uh, threshold, it would mean you'd vote for the party on offer that you most prefer. Because even if it's polling at 0.5 or polling 0 or polling 1, you'd think, look, it's got a chance. With 5, it hasn't got a chance. And so I think you would get a truer vote. You wouldn't get a great raft of political parties getting in at, say, 3% but you'd get the opportunity for a new party to enter our parliament. And that's what bothers me about our present system. Our present system is entirely locked up by existing parties. Uh, Historically, it's been extremely difficult for a new party outside parliament to get into parliament because for some reason, if 
you know, Tane Webster stands for his own political party. It's not he's not regarded by the voters as serious because they only think in terms of the existing political parties. And the journalists, sadly, are in the system and only report the existing political parties. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so I think, yeah, what, what would be your ideal percentage then? Oh, I would say three. Yeah. Because I know what it's like to be facing oblivion every election. And until we got the seat of Epsom, we would be written off by the media, the ACT Party would be, four or five months out from the election, or beginning in the election year. ACT's not going to make it. ACT's not going to make it. And, of course, they are creating a self-fulfilling prophecy because you'd go and meet even people that are contributing $20 a month to your party, and they're saying, I'm not going to vote for you because you're not going to make it. Can you imagine that? <laughs> they support you politically and then won't vote for you because the media are running the story that you're not going to make it. Um, so, no, that's uh, I'd go for 3% myself. And I, I believe in disruption. Um, I think we need a serious disruption uh, to our politics. We need, you know, we need an outside um, political party to get in. I don't know how it presents itself um, to disrupt it because what we have now is political insiders getting elected to politics and staying on the inside. It's It literally is a club. The opinion makers, the lobbyists, uh, the staffers, uh, the political insiders who all go along, you know, with the Wellington Beltway, what we call it, narrative. They're the ones that are running things and reinforcing each other. And those of us on the outside um, literally have no say. Uh, we cannot influence the big parties because we see that they're selecting um, MPs from literally their own staff. I mean, it's extraordinary. You know, you can leave school, go to university, go and work for the National Party or the Labour Party or the union movement or a lobby group, and then put your name forward, get selected as a candidate, get on the list, and there you are. It's not really what I'd call a House of Representatives. They don't represent the community. Whereas in the old days, we didn't pay MPs much and they were elected from their constituency and it was literally regarded as a public service when you'd had your career. Hmm. What do you think the chances are of these, uh, well, the, 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 so there's the series of draft recommendations and one of them is lowering the voting threshold from 5 to 3.5%. What do you think the chances are of that actually being uh, going from a recommendation to actually being applied. I, I, I'm not holding my breath, but... No, I'd say next to zero. Yeah. Because uh, what political party deciding upon this is in favour of that, you know? Um, because if you're the Green Party or the ACT Party, you're going to shed votes to another minor party if you did that. Mm. If yeah. you're Labour and National... Um, you're going to just create a bigger nightmare for yourself because you do not want another party getting into parliament. Um, you want the election to be a known quantity. So, so I'd say it's next to zero. Um, I have always been surprised how things happen. 
Um, I would have expected by now, funnily enough, for outside parties to be doing better because I think the government and the opposition so let us down through the COVID era and there was such a protest against the existing political parties, I thought there would be a third party emerge, you know, and take them on. Hasn't happened. I guess that's the conservatism of politics, which isn't a bad thing in normal times. But when your political system, which in my view has run out of control, become tyrannical, isn't actually conservative in any sense of the word, is radical government, and I include the opposition in that, what has happened has been radical in New Zealand. The changes in the last few years have been radical, haven't had majority support, uh, National's not threatening to unwind them, uh, you would expect there's very, very fertile ground for a third party to emerge. Now, the person that can capitalise on that, funnily enough, is Winston Peters, because the 5% doesn't present such a hurdle for him because people think, oh, yeah, Winston, uh, uh, he's in Parliament, right? They sort of think of him as a politician. He's been around forever. And so they will give him a party vote compared to uh, an outsider and unknown standing. Uh, he's a known uh, quantity uh, in a sense. I think it would be horrific. But <laughs> he's he's going to benefit from the unease that we have with the major parties. Mm, mm. Those are all valid points. I feel like with all the disagreement that occurs amongst the various minor parties, uh, a sort of a concerted push for this lowering the, the threshold could be something that they could all agree on and because it would be in all of their best interests, but that hasn't seemed to happen yet. No, it's a funny thing about agreement um, in politics. It's extremely hard to achieve. And even when you'd think it's so obvious, you know, you can't get it. And it's a funny business because even within your own party, you know, you've got to persuade, you've got to cajole, you've got to sort of almost bully people into positions because it's so hard, you know. And you see this in local government where the poor mayor is trying to do things. Not, I'm not talking about Auckland. I'm talking about all local government. And it's so easy for a councillor to sit on the sidelines and not make up their mind and sit on the fence. And then when you make a decision, throw rocks at you or give you the, say they're going to support you and then change their mind. This is the difficulty of politics. And um, in order to, to be a politician, you have to develop your ego and become egotistical. And in becoming egotistical, you know, you become difficult to deal with. <laughs> it's part of, you know, and so you have all these little parties. And I've done this when we set up ACT. I've met with all the little parties. And it's horrific because they all think they're going to get in. Um, they all think, you know, they're important. They all think that, you know, it's their way or the highway. And none of them ever make it into parliament. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think in closing, I'd say that at the end of the day, the long-term better future is just a more decentralised political system because it's 
whatever system it, it ends up problematic. It ends yes, up problem. Yes. There's problems for right. problems, but at least if it's decentralized, then we spread those problems and spread the risk, and people can v vote with their feet. If one area is not doing a good job, then they can move to another area in New Zealand. That's true, but ultimately, the way to decentralize is to decentralize to the individual and have no majority decision making other than where it's absolutely a necessity. And so that's why I'm a libertarian, because, you know, I don't want people telling me what to do uh, when I could decide for myself. Now, obviously, um, to a libertarian, sometimes I veer into anarchism. Um, there are things that you'd like to do collectively, and it needs a collective vote, and you live with it. But when government or councils are deciding what colour you can paint your barn, um, how far apart you have to stand beside people in a supermarket, when they're down to deciding those sorts of things, uh, they have lost the plot. And that's where we are right across the spectrum in New Zealand. And you don't solve that by decentralising it. You solve it by saying, what should government decide, be deciding and what should it be leaving up to us? And in doing that, they have to allow for the fact that you and I will make mistakes but we'll learn from them. The trouble with government is it makes mistakes, but it never learns because it never carries the consequence of their mistakes we do. And that's why personal decision-making is so much better because you carry the consequence of your own mistakes, whereas politicians never carry the consequences. In fact, they're rewarded for their mistakes. Everywhere you look, if they overspend their budget, they're rewarded by having more money. It's extraordinary. Well, Tane, we'll see you, is it next week? Yes, I think so. Yeah, that's great. Tane, that was Tane Webster. That was uh, Political Politics Explained. We're just going to go over the things. One thing I want to cover off uh, probably next week is the difference between list MPs and electorate MPs because I've been both, and it's quite remarkable. I was quite shocked about becoming an electorate MP, how different it was. And I'd like to talk about that with Tane. That was Politics Explained, Back to Basics in the Political Sandpit with Tane Webster. You're on Reality Check Radio, Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Thank you for listening in. Oh, and if you've got some political questions for us, send us a text at uh, 202057. 2057, send a text or email us, inbox at rallycheck.radio, and Tane and I will go through your questions and answer them. Thank you for listening. This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m.